Thank you for tuning in here at Tuolumne Community Baptist Church. I'm in my church office right now um, doing my Sunday sermon over again. Um, it didn't, for whatever reason, my equipment didn't work uh, to get our podcast out. And this message is an important message. That's why I decided to come and do it Facebook Live and to, to re-record uh, my podcast so that my listeners can can pick up on what they may have missed. Uh, you know, this was a really good message. If you weren't here Sunday, you, you missed a good one, and I hope you tune in. Uh, I know it surprises me when, when I get a good one. Um, <laughs> it, it just really, the Lord was here, and he used me to deliver this message, and it's a powerful message. We're in a series called Bitter Roots. Bitter Roots is something we have to develop in. Uh, bitter roost is, it could be the cause of all sorts of things, you know, things in your life that you don't um, really understand why you keep continually having the same problem over and over again. There is a root cause. And today we're going to look at the root cause of all root causes. It's, it's an important message. I hope that you stay with me all the way through and you listen to this. You know, we don't realize that we're holding on to old hurts and wounds that we have suffered from the hands of someone else. It could have been someone that, that even to you is God. You, you feel like God wasn't there. He, he didn't protect you when you needed protecting. He didn't protect that loved one uh, before they passed away. There's a lot of reasons why we, we can get angry at God and we don't realize that this is building a root of bitterness inside of us. Bitter roots can be caused by many things in our lives. As we get older, we often get angry. Sometimes we don't even understand why it is that we're getting angry. For me, it could be just that I'm getting older. Is it possible that it could be bitter roots in my life that I've never cut out? Even things in our childhood sometimes affect us so deeply that we will never forget the fear, the pain of that event. These cause bitter roots in our lives. I'll never forget that there was, there was a, a time in my childhood, I'm maybe 10 or 11 years old, that a, a guy by the name of Eddie Rayburn. Eddie Rayburn, if you're listening to this, please don't look me up and beat me up again. But at 11 or 12 years old, Eddie Rayburn knocked me down. I thought he nearly knocked me out and he sat on me and commenced to beat me up. And he told me that if he ever saw me again, he was going to make me eat something that no young man ought to ever eat. You know, some would call it manure, you know, whatever. You get the picture. I didn't want to taste whatever it is that he wanted to feed me. And he scared me. I was scared of him. I went into my high school years. He was a year or two ahead of me. And every time I'd see him, I'd hide around the corner. I would duck. I, I just stayed away from this guy for the best of my ability. And went on all through high school. Finally, he, he left high school, graduated, whatever, got out of high school. And, uh, it, you know, the last year or so was kind of at peace because I wasn't hiding from old Eddie Rayburn um, at high school. And, you know, the interesting thing is nowadays <laughs> I'll see somebody that I think looks like Eddie Rayburn, maybe an old Eddie Rayburn. And I'll, I'll just have this thing inside of me. I'll go, I don't like that guy. I have no reason not to like him. I, I, I'll say something to Joe. I'll say, Joe, that guy over there, I, I don't like that guy. Why don't you like that guy? He hasn't done anything to you. 
Well, it's because he reminds me of Eddie Rayburn. Bitter roots. Bitter roots can really take hold, and we don't even realize that we need to cut these things out. Today, we're going to talk about the root cause of bitter roots. We're going to see the truth in that God never wanted us to have to deal with the pain of deception. When we find the root problem, we can cut it out. We can cut it off. We can get rid of it out of our lives and have the freedom that God intended us to have and to live in. Bitter roots can can produce many different types of fruit, addictions, lustful behaviors, poor work ethics, laziness, lasciviousness. I know, I know a lot of you may not know what lasciviousness means. It's, it's you know, just an addictive behavior. You, you, you're doing something that, that actually you hate to do, but you continue to do it. That's a lascivious behavior. Envy and jealousy, all these are bitter roots. So that brings me to point number one of my message this morning is bitter roots deceive. They deceive. 2 Corinthians 11, 4 and 3, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 11, 3 and 4 says, But I fear, least somehow, as a serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. Notice the Apostle Paul takes it all the way back to the beginning of time. How the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan used a deception to conceive, to convince Eve that God was holding back something from her. He used it, he said, hey, you could be just like God if you eat of that fruit. He doesn't want you to eat of that fruit because he doesn't want you to know all things. Well, God didn't want them to know the side of evil that they were going to experience once they ate of the fruit. For he who comes and preaches, this is verse 4, for he who comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you have received a different spirit from which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Man, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying. This is a a huge warning. He said, For if anyone comes and preaches to you another Jesus, another gospel, if they're preaching something to you that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said, you may well put up with it. And this is a scary thing. You know, I had a family once that I pastored many years ago. This family was was a good family, but they seemed to have a struggle that that would never end. Every month it seemed like the church was having to help them pay their their PG&E, their rent, their propane bills, whatever. They just seemed like they were in such distress. So after a period of time, I I called them into my office and I began to counsel them and say, can you tell me what's going on? What what are you doing in your lives that that you're not coming up out of this, this place of poverty? And they told me that once in their lives they were counseled by a pastor and the pastor had told them that they were to suffer poverty all of their lives, that they were supposed to live in this gospel of poverty, that that would be a way that God would keep them always relying on God, always depending on God. Well, you know what I told them in my very craftful way, that's an absolute lie. God is not the God of poverty. 
any more than he is the God of prosperity. There are, there are extremes on both sides of that. People are preaching the gospel of prosperity or even the gospel of poverty. And you know, this thing that frustrates me, neither of them, neither of them are the gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of he will provide. He will provide. He provides for us our needs. We don't need to live in poverty. Yeah, sometimes it happens and we get there and we need help. And praise God, that's what the church is here for, is to help. But that wasn't the gospel at all. They were lied to. Now, you know, some people will say, well, they've heard that old saying, you know, uh, they think it's a Bible saying. You know, God helps those who help themselves. (laughs) That's not the Bible at all. That was Benjamin Franklin that said that. And I don't necessarily disagree with what he had to say. I mean, listen to, you know, the Apostle James. He said, let me show you my faith by my works. You can show me your faith by your faith, but I'll show you my faith by my works. It's not that we have to be working, but you know what? If you're asking God to supply you with a job, I'd suggest you get up off that couch and go look for a job. You can't just sit there and think, well, God's going to provide for me. He's going to open the door and drop it in on my lap. That's not how it works. We have to do our part. Now, I do realize that, you know, in today's in con- today's computer age, uh, you can sit at home and apply for jobs all over the United States and never leave your house. Um, I'm of the old school where, you know, you'd go out there and shake hands with somebody. Uh, I remember as a young carpenter, I'd go out looking for a job and and the first thing, you know, I'd shake their hands, say, hey, man, yeah, I'm a framer. Could you, could you use an extra hand? And first thing they do is they check out my nail bags. <laughs> hey, those things look pretty new. Do you even know how to use them? Um, you know, it, it, so I drug it behind my truck for a few miles, get it to look beat up. So it looked like I was a little more experienced. But the point I'm trying to make is we would get out of our houses and go out and look for a job. Go shake somebody's hand and, and continue to go back and look for the job. Nowadays, we sit at home, and we expect God to provide. The Apostle Paul was telling us to be really careful here of who we listen to and who, who and what you're listening to. You've got to back things up with the Word of God. Don't, don't just trust what I'm saying. Go to these scriptures, open your Bible, and read it for yourself, and see that God is speaking to you through His Word. Listen to Hebrews 12 14 through 17, it says, Pursue peace with all people, with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Now, that kind of freaks me out. Listen to what it says. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. You're not going to heaven if you don't learn how to let go of all these bitter roots and, and pursue peace. Verse 15, it says, Looking carefully, lest anyone falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring forth, spring up, cause trouble, by this many become defiled. Well, that's an easy one. You know, when we have this root of bitterness and it springs up at a family gathering, it hurts a lot of people. It hurts a lot of people. It defiles a lot of people. We got to be concerned and pay attention to the bitter roots that we may be carrying. Verse 16, least there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. I think that's very interesting that he uses Esau as the example here. 
For you know that afterward he wanted to inherit the blessing. He wanted what his what was rightfully his. He was rejected and he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. He never repented for his part in this thing. Now, let's talk about this. This brings us to point number two, bitter roots defile. Bitter roots inside of you defile. So let's look a little more at this story of Esau. A lot of people think that this story is referring to, um, you know, when uh, J- Jacob disguised himself and put fur on his on his arms and, and made himself smell like a, like a hunter or whatever to, to go in and, and convince Esau that he was actually, uh, to convince Isaac that he was actually Esau. He was lying, and, and Isaac said, man, you, you, you feel like Isaac, but Esau, but you, you, your voice, it, it, it sounds like Jacob. Well, this is what happened. This isn't, this isn't the time that this was talking about. This is talking about a little unknown story uh, that happened a little bit before this deception. Genesis 25, 29 through 34 now Jacob cooked a stew. Remember, Jacob was a man uh, in the house. He was cooking and preparing and helping his mom, while Esau was the hunter. He was out hunting game, bringing in the big the big meat to the family. Now Jacob cooked a stew, and Esau came from the field and was weary. He had traveled some distance. Verse 30 says, And Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with that same red stew, for I am weary. Therefore, his name became Edom. And what Edom means is red. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because Esau had red hair and he was eating a red stew, so they called him Edom. Verse 35, 31, I'm sorry. But Jacob said, sell me your birthright as of this day. So Esau is saying, hey, give me some of that red stew. I am I am completely wiped out. I, I've just traveled all these miles. I've carried all this game. And now just give me some of that stew. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright if you want some of this stew. And Esau said, look, I am about to die. So what is a birthright to me? You know, he, he wasn't about to die, but he was wore out. He was tired. You ever been there? So tired that you just say, hey, just, just take it, whatever. I'm tired. I, I just need some food. I need some rest. This is where Esau was. And he said, look, I'm about to die. So what is my birthright to me? So Jacob said, swear to me this day. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. That's what that was talking about back there when we were reading in Hebrews. Verse 34, it says, And Jacob gave Esau bread and a stew of lentils, and he ate, drank, arose, and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. It, it meant nothing to him. And how many times we as Christians, do we get into a place where we're just completely exhausted, we're completely wore out, and and we're ready to just give up our birthright of heaven, give up our Christianity, just give me a little peace, just just give me a little bit of something that I need, rest. It happens more often than you may think. Notice Jacob gave Esau, he gave to him, he served him. And I believe this was part of the deception where Jacob took advantage of Esau's attitude and his tiredness and towards his birthright and his physical tiredness, everything that was going on. 
Jacob was taking advantage. He was being deceptive. Remember back in Genesis when, when the Apostle Paul went all the way back to Eve to talk about that deception? It says, uh, Genesis 3, 6, So when the woman saw, this is Eve, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, she ate, and she also gave it to her husband, and he ate. Now, did you see the similarity to that? She gave it to him. She served her husband. She gave it to him, just like Esau gave him. It just To me, they're, they're just too close to, to just ignore. This is exactly what Paul was talking about, about the deception. The deception will serve us. And he said, you may very well put up with it because you're being served. Please understand that there are people in this world who are completely convinced as much as you were convinced in the cross, they are completely convinced and deceived. And they believe and they bought the deception that Christ doesn't exist. That your Christianity isn't worth anything. How do you protect from, from them? How do you protect from ourselves? The easy answer is stay in the word. Stay in the word. Bitter roots can cause you to go against good advice from your family plans to, to good advice to your life. Look at what Esau did now after this deception. He was angry after his father gave his blessing to his brother Jacob. Listen to this, Genesis 28, 6-9. It says, Esau saw that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Panoram to take for himself a wife from there, and that was, and that as he blessed him and gave him the charge, saying, you shall not take a wife from the daughters of Canaan. So Isaac gave a specific charge to Jacob to go here to our family and pick a wife over here and not go to the daughters of Canaan. In verse 7 it says, and Jacob had obeyed his father and his mother, and had gone to Padam Aram. Verse 8, Also Esau saw that the daughters of Canaan, Canaan did not please his father Isaac. Did not please. And he said, you know what? Dad, thanks a lot. I'm bitter. I'm angry. I'm going to do exactly what you didn't want Jacob to do. So Esau went to Ishmael and took Mahaliath, the daughter of Ishmael, Abraham's son, his other son, the sister of Nebajeth, to be his wife, in addition to the wives that he already had. He did this just to despite his father. Bitter roots. How many times have we made decisions that, that we have made in our life because we're angry at someone else, because of, of bitter roots that we may have had? You know, we got to pay attention to what's going on. Brings me to point number three. Bitter roots depress. Bitter roots depress. Depression in this in a in this is a word that we hear about a lot today. When you say I'm depressed, you're saying that you're pressed down, you're held down. This is food for bitter roots. They feed on your emotions. 
And now your, your emotions are potentially out of control. Out of control. Moses, he tried to talk to us about this bitter root, this root of bitterness, when he renewed his covenant with us. This, this is so important. I want you to hear this. Let's go back all the way back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 29. Now, Deuteronomy in chapter 29, for you Bible scholars who have read through the Bible, you know that Deuteronomy 29 is, is uh, the one that says, if you do this, if you do that, this will happen. Bad things will happen. But he's telling us here that he has made a covenant. He says, verse 14, I make this covenant and this oath not with you alone, meaning not to just the people that are standing there hearing him. Verse 15, it says, But with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as with him who is not here with us today. You just found yourself in the Bible. There you are. There I am. In Deuteronomy, we're there. It says, as well as with him who is not with us here today. This is you and me in the Bible. Verse 16 <clears throat> says, For you know that we dwell in the land of Egypt and that we came through the nations which you passed by. And we saw their abominations and their idols which were among them, wood and stone and silver and gold, so that there may not be among you men or women, family or tribe, whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, and that, that there may not be among you a root of bearing bitterness or wormwood. Hmm. He's telling us, be careful. Now, yeah, we haven't traveled through all these nations like they did through Egypt and, and seen all these different tribes and these religions, but look what's going on here in America. People are turning their backs on God. They're, they're turning their backs on our flag, on a nation that was founded on biblical principles. We have to be careful. There are so many things that could cause us to turn away from our God, especially when you have these bitter roots that are inside of you. He said, be careful because you'll, you'll develop in this bitter root called wormwood. And I want to talk about this, this thing, wormwood. It, it's a real term. It's a real plant. It, it really does exist. It is something that exists and is talked about in the Bible in, in quite a few places. I'm going to talk about a few of them here this morning. Wormwood is something that uh, has been used and, and tried to have been developed from for centuries. Uh, they've, they've tried to use it to make medicine. In fact, it's still used in certain types of medicine. Uh, somehow, way back, many, many years ago, they figured out that it would kill intestinal worms if it didn't kill you first. This wormwood was in, incredibly bitter. It's the most bitter thing. If it was planted near a pond of water, it would make the water bad. It would turn the water bitter and nothing could survive in it. Wormwood is a very toxic chemical. They, there's veterinarians use a type of it that's used in a, in a medicine to kill heartworms in your dog. If you have a, a dog with heartworms. And, and I had a, a, an old lab that had heartworms. <clears throat> Took her to the vet to see what we could do. And he said, I can give her this medicine. He said, if it doesn't kill the heartworms, it will most definitely kill her. 
um, because it's so toxic. It'll take her to the edge of death and maybe back, or maybe death will take her on. We don't know. And so I opted not, and I, I ran out the course of her life uh, dealing with the heartworm. But this wormwood, is what I'm trying to explain, is, is incredibly bitter. It's incredibly bad. It's been used in some cases to make alcohol, and, and it's, it's a hallucinogenic. It could cause people to have hallucinations and lose, lose their minds, literally. So let's go on. Let's look at another scripture about this wormwood. Revelation 8, 10 and 11, it says, Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Man, it's some serious stuff. In general, this verse in the book of Revelation is seen as a prophecy of the corruption of the Christian churches in end times. It could be. Wormwood is a plant and it extracts a bitter oil and has killed men throughout history. Its bitterness is a poison. It's been used for medicines just like we talked about earlier. A number of Bible scholars consider the term wormwood to be purely symbolic representation of the bitterness that can fill the earth during troubled times. Nothing that a plant of which wormwood is named. Noting that the plant of, of wormwood which is named. You know, C.S. Lewis, a great Christian apologist writer, wrote 67 novels, 67 books. He wrote many of them. In his day, he was one of the greatest Christian apologists. What he would do is he, he would take stories and, and in the stories, he would help you to determine and, and see Satan in different things, in, in different aspects. And he, and he wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters. It's a great book. It's not a very big read. If you want to get it, it gets, it's fabulous. And there's different stories. And in this screw tape, he was a demon from hell. And he had a nephew who was at the pit of the bottom of hell. And he named him Wormwood. Wormwood. It's interesting. It said even in hell there is a hierarchy, or as it would be a lowerarchy, as it is called in the underworld. And Wormwood was the bottom of it. The screw tape letters uh, Lewis wrote, these series of letters of a senior official of the underworld, screw tape, and his nephew Wormwood, who had just been assigned his first human, his first patient. Uh, to try to tempt them into sin. And these are lessons showing us how to avoid the temptation of sin. It's just an interesting catch that I think C.S. Lewis saw and thought it was uh, pretty important. So why would C.S. Lewis, you choose a name like Wormwood, perhaps? It's intensely bitter herb um, used to stimulate the imagination to increase. They actually used it to increase sexual desire is also used to create certain alcoholic beverages. So I believe the term, uh, C.S. Lewis had a good reason why he was using the term woodwood, wormwood. Jeremiah 9.15 says, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will feed them his people 
with wormwood and give him water of gall to drink. Wow. Do you guys remember what they gave Jesus on the cross? We'll come to that here in just a minute. Look at Psalms 69, 21, a prophetic scripture. He says, they also gave me gall for my food. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. This is the temptation, I believe, the last temptation of Christ. Do you remember when Jesus was on the cross, they tried to give him a drink that would try to ease his pain? Matthew 27, 34, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he had tasted it, he would not drink. I believe this was very possibly the last temptation of Christ, and he would not drink. Instead, in Luke's writings, he said, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Just forgive them, Father. He wouldn't allow the, the ease of his pain and, and the bitter roots to take hold of him. A bitter root in our lives is the same deception that Satan used in the beginning of time. And we must cut the root out, refuse to drink of the bitter taste of deception. You know, you got to think about it. Even Christ and his suffering, the, the worst place that you could possibly ever be, he refused to, to drink something that would ease his pain, something that would help him they would say would help him. But no. He wanted to experience it all because he experienced it all for us so that we could endure the pain of life. Because if you're not having pain in this life, if you don't have things that are coming along that are really destructive, they're coming. They're coming. And you have to be strong in the Word of God. Let's talk a little bit more about this bitter water. Exodus 15, 23 through 25 says, Now when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. Marah means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Two thousand, three thousand, or two million to three million people are just in an uproar. And I think Moses was at the point, hey, God, take me or kill them. These people will not stop complaining. And he cried out to God. And the Lord showed him a tree and told him to cast it into the waters. And the waters were made sweet. There he made a statue, an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. God tested them. And I believe when... You know, God told Moses to throw that tree in there. It's not in the Word. This is just, just my thoughts. Yeah, I think he dug a tree up and threw it in, roots and all. Uh, whatever tree whatever tree it was, God used that tree to make the water sweet so they'd be able to drink. I believe this is what God was showing us, that we have to cut out the root. When we are, when we are bitter living with our bitter roots... We are like the bitter waters of Mara that, that you cannot drink. And Jesus, he gave us the living water that's supposed to flow through us, the rivers of living water. But how can they if you're bitter? Oh, you may be a Christian and you're saved. I'm not saying that you're not saved. 
But I'm saying because of the bitterness that you haven't let go of in your life, because of that bitterness, it could be causing the waters that flow through you to be bitter. And who's going to get saved in that? What does that do to your witness? That bitterness that you're carrying. I want you to look at this. Uh, this, And I'm going to finish here. I'm going to take you to the book of Ruth, chapter 1. We're going to talk about Naomi. Naomi was very bitter. And she was bitter towards God. Let me set it up so you understand, because I'm going to take you to, to verse 20 so we can wrap this thing up. But she had two sons, a husband and two sons. The husband dies suddenly. And she's left with her two sons. And her two sons took on two wives. Ruth is one, and Oprah is the other. And they have these two wives. Now her two sons died, and she's left with nothing but the two daughter-in-laws. So she goes to the daughter-in-laws and she releases them. She says, you guys can go back. You don't have to be part of this family anymore. Even though you have my name, it's, it's okay. You can go back to your families, marry again, have babies, do your thing, um, just go. She says, I'm too old to have two more sons and you'll be too old by the time they're old enough to be married. So she tried to release, release them. Oprah, she went back kind of an interesting correlation on that name. But she goes back to her her family, which is non-believing tribe of people. But Ruth, Ruth said, no, 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 I'm staying with you. Now, I don't know why Ruth felt that way. I know that she was led of God because God is going to use Ruth to save the entire nation of Israel. So she stays with Naomi, and she says, Naomi, I'll die with you. I, I will live with you. Whatever it takes, I am going to stay with you. And so they headed back to Bethlehem is where Naomi was from. So she's going back to her hometown, and they see her coming in. And this is where it comes in, She verse 20. She's uh, just entering into her homeland. And they were all so glad to see her. They were all going, Naomi, Naomi, you're home. We're so glad that you're home. We're sorry to hear about what's happened to your husband and your sons. But man, we're so glad you're home. But she said to them, this is verse 20, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. She was angry at God. She was angry at God. And, and I can understand it. I've lost a lot of loved ones in my, wife, in my life. Within just two short years, I lost my wife, my mother, and a grandson. In just a very short period of time. And I was questioning God. God, I don't understand. Why did these people have to die? You could have saved them. But I had to cut that bitter root out. I had to make sure that it didn't take root. It's okay to mourn for the loss. I will mourn with you for the loss. But we have to stop mourning and get back up and know that God is still in control and God still has more to do with you, to do for you. I remember once there was this lady who, who <clears throat> said to me that she was so angry with God because she had lost a grandchild. And she said, God is a sovereign God. He could have stopped this from happening. And I said, you got the meaning of sovereignty all wrong. 
God's sovereignty, yes, he is sovereign. He is the creator of all things, but he cannot step back across his word. He gave us free will and free choice. And because of that, we screwed it all up. And sin and death happen in this world. And good things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people also. You can't just lay it at God's sovereign God and he, he just killed my grandson. He just killed my wife or my mother. You cannot do that. Sorry about that. The phone started ringing. But... Naomi was angry. And I've been there too. And I know you have been too. This world is full of pain and destruction. We all suffer. If not now, it will come. But people, it will come. Your suffering will come. Do not allow Satan to deceive you into thinking that he can ease your pain by just a little bit of drinking from that sour wine, that mingled of gall for your pain. Do not let him deceive you to thinking that God is at fault for this. Mourn your pain. Mourn your pain for a little time. And then see that God is not finished with you any more than he was with Mara. Because Naomi, I'm sorry, I called her Mara, I called her bitter, but that wasn't what I was supposed to say. He wasn't finished with Naomi either. Ruth, she wound up getting married and having a child, and that child became the lineage of Jesus Christ. And she wasn't even a Hebrew. God is so good and so gracious. And we can't allow bitter roots, things, the bad things that happen to us, we can't allow them to ruin us. Please don't allow bitter roots to infiltrate your life and ruin your life. God bless you. If you need prayer, please call me. My number is 209-588-3939. My email address is Pastor George Sr. That's Pastor George, all lowercase, sr, at gmail.com. Reach out. Reach out to someone. Tell me how bitter you are, and I'll do my very best to help you cut those roots out. God bless you. Don't live with bitterness. Don't let wormwood take hold of your life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.